When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to AMR Trains, a podcast about training and racing and endurance sports. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. And today we're mixing things up a little bit. We're taking our heartbeat and our breath way down, and we are going to talk about meditation. But first of all, just to let you know, the role of my co-host, Sarah Wassner Flynn, is being played today by the lovely Adrian Martini, who you guys know from being around AMR for many years. We love her. Welcome, Adrian. Happy to be here, Dimity. Awesome. Um, you guys may remember a few months ago, Adrian and I did a self-imposed 30-day foam rolling challenge. Um, we took a few months off to catch our breath, and then we set about on another 30-day challenge. And this time we are focusing on the breath or meditation. But we're just not going to talk about how riveting it was for us personally to focus on our inhales and exhales. We're also going to explore the basics and benefits of meditation. If you're like me, you know that it's something helpful to do for yourself, but you may be a little bit confused or wondering like where to get started. Helping us sit still today is Anne Vandewater, a life and business coach, health and wellness teacher, and spiritual guide who describes her home base as, quote unquote, super nomadic, which is really fun. Um, she's actually in Hawaii right now, so I'm a little jealous of that. But um, I actually met Anne last year at Rancho La Puerta, where she's been a teacher since 2018. I went to a meditation class with a friend who had tried to create a meditation practice at home, but never could really find her groove or even feel like she was doing it right. And after Anne's class, she was beaming and like came up to me and said, oh my gosh, that was so great. I finally got it. And I know that meditation isn't something you get, but I think that she finally <laughs> felt like, uh, you know, she she got to be able to to be in her body more than she had been in the past. And I agree. Anne teaches meditation in a very accessible, user-friendly way. And I'm excited to connect with her again as we explore meditation. All right. But before we go too deep and, and focus inward, um, let's have a little intro session. So, Adrian, for new listeners, can you give us a little bio about yourself? Um, Sure. I have been a runner for about 10 years, um, written for another mother runner about that long. I have run one one marathon <laughs> one uh and that number will remain one um i have been writing gosh for most of my career has been as a writer yeah well and your latest book came out literally days before the pandemic hit so let's let's promo that because you never got the publicity it deserves yeah well um who can control a pandemic you know <laughs> the book is called somebody's gotta do it uh why cursing at the news won't save the nation but your name on a local ballot can uh, my goal was to see how long i could get the title <laughs> yeah it's about running for local office and why it's important to do so even if running for local office is not something you ever thought you'd be doing I like it. I like it. All right. And I gave a very basic overview, um, but we're interested in the super nomadic lifestyle. And, and just tell us a little bit more about yourself. 
Yeah, so wonderful to be here with you both. Uh, my work is called True Self Mastery, and I work with leaders, visionaries, teachers, luminaries, people that are here to make a positive difference on the planet. And one of my main slogans is live, love, and lead by example, because that is what I have found is that when we embody what we are teaching, when we're embodying everything that we're here to share with the world, and we are the difference that we want to make in the world, that that is actually what is the healthiest, the most sustainable and authentic and, and makes the, the biggest possible positive difference for everyone. And I call my work true self-mastery because it's all devoted to supporting everyone that I work with and becoming a master of being who you truly are. The number one regret of the dying is that we didn't live a life that was true to ourselves. And we look back from the deathbed perspective and say, wow, I might have accomplished so much, or it might have looked like I was so successful, but I didn't feel like I am who I truly am. And that's the number one regret of the dying. And so I am deeply devoted to helping people right here, right now, self-actualize, become the best you that you can possibly be, not what society says you should be, or your parents, or your culture, but who you know yourself to truly be. And so all of my teachings, my coaching, my guidance is all geared towards that. And that's mastery of body, mind, heart, soul, and spirit. And I don't think it's anything that we ever arrive at. And here it is, and it's set in stone. I feel that it's a cultivation and it's an ongoing adventure. And as far as being super nomadic, <laughs> that is uh, one of the things that I would say was the result of going through many natural disasters and finally getting that being a maximalist and having my talons in any certain place is not what life wants me to do. My, my life has invited me to transform from being a maximalist into what I call an opulent essentialist which means I live <laughs> with what is essential but it's it's opulent like I wear pearl earrings and things like that <laughs> and uh being nomadic just means that in order for me to fulfill my mission and make the difference that I've come here to make on on the planet it requires me to to move around and be at different retreat centers and resorts and to be on different places on the planet where I can receive the gifts of those different places and that I can give my gifts to those different places. So how did you start meditating and why did you start meditating? Yeah, I am a very, I would say, unusual bird because <laughs> these practices were somehow with me from a very young age, but they were not always necessarily things that were taught to me or things that were that I was brought up with. I would say on a soul level, if you believe that you're a, a soul and that you have a, a beingness that is beyond just this 
incarnation or this body, I was born with a lot of, I would say, these awarenesses within me. And so as a young child, I would do this a lot. I'd just be kind of like, and my mom would say, what are you doing? And I would say, well, I'm just really tuning into peace. And I would have, I would have these experiences where, for instance, I was just telling my mom this experience the other day when I was probably about five years old, the house cleaner at our home was vacuuming and it was like a racket. And I was so annoyed. So I sat down and I was like, I wonder if I can tune into something different from this. And so I just lay down, I close my eyes, and I started off with this layer of the noise. And then I was like, I wonder what's beneath that layer. And I kind of felt my awareness going inside. And the went to, and then it was just kind of like white noise in the background. And I was like, wow, I wonder if I can go even deeper than that. And I just kept bringing my awareness in, 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 inner. And I finally got to this place where I didn't even hear the vacuum cleaner anymore. Maybe it had stopped, but I didn't really care because I was so captivated by this inner peace that that I knew was all always here within me. And it was a very familiar feeling. And in that moment, I the only way I can describe it is I had an epiphany about who I I really am and what I'm really capable of. So I've always been on a quest for how do I go beneath the surface of the constant physical, mental, emotional waves into that deeper peace that I know is my true nature. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to just like almost say, okay, I mean, I want to talk about meditation, but I want to go back and talk about helping, you know, find your true calling. I mean, that's a different podcast, but we'll do that. Yeah. But my, wow. You've, so you've had it from the beginning. You've had it since you were young. It's not like you said when you were 22, you're like, okay, I've got to find some stillness in my life. I'm going to try the the Calm app or whatever. Yeah. And uh, for me, it was something that I've, it's what I've been obsessed with my entire life. Like when I was a child, I would, yeah, I've just been captivated by consciousness my entire life because I had some very profound experiences and it's like, yeah, I'm a white girl growing up in Montecito. I had none of, none of this was part of my household. It wasn't part of my culture. And that's, how I know personally that I'm not just this being here in this lifetime and that I'm connected. And this is, you know, this has been proven through epigenetics that I am a multidimensional being. You're a multidimensional being that we have memories that we have in things that are encoded in our genes and our DNA that are ancient. We have the wisdom of our whole entire lineage and all of our ancestors. We can, if we choose to, connect to the all and the everything of life. And that to me is so captivating. So when I was a child, you know, I'd be at Montecito Union School and 
the kids would all be like running around chasing each other on the school ground. And I've been like, that's cool. That's kind of fun, but there's, there's something more. And I would be always trying to talk to the teachers about why are we here and what's the meaning of life and what's really going on here? Cause there's a lot more than what meets the eyes. And I, I ended up a lot of times hanging out with the janitor during lunchtime because I would have the most profound spiritual conversations with him when we were both on our, our lunch break. So yeah, it's been just, it, I've been captivated by like what makes us tick and who are we really and human potential and what are we capable of my entire life. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, as I said in the intro, I mean, I feel like meditation is everywhere now, especially it came out definitely to the forefront during the pandemic as we all tried to find some inner peace. What does meditation bring to one's life that is so beneficial? Yeah, I'd say it's, it, it is a tool that can lead us back to our essential self. It can lead us back to this place of, I know who I am and I know why I, I'm here. And it is one of the m- most beneficial tools that we have for harnessing the power of the mind because our beliefs and our patterns of thought is what generates emotion, which generates words, which generates actions, which generates ways of relating with people, places, and things, which then generate our results and life. So meditation is one of the most powerful tools that we have for being a conscious chooser, an intentional chooser of our beliefs and of our thoughts so that we can create the life that we vision for ourselves and not be a victim of circumstance, not be a victim of every single, you know, disturbance in the force that happens in life, but to feel more victorious, to feel more like, okay, no matter what happens, I can actually use this baby right here to to focus on the most beneficial beliefs and thoughts that I possibly can that are going to lead me in the good orderly direction of what I want to be creating in life. And that is one of the main reasons that I practice meditation. It's one of the many health and wellness practices that we can practice that help us to stay aligned with our purpose and our values and our greater vision for our lives. And that is the way that in my, I would say, system of true self-mastery, I use meditation. It's a way of refining the mind so that it becomes a devotee of, it becomes in service to our purpose and our values and our vision. Because as we know, there is a lot that can distract us. There's a lot that can take us out of alignment with who we are and why we're here and what's most important to us. And I always say we're very high maintenance ponies. Like if we want (laughs) to have a life where we're thriving and we feel like this is my life and I claim it and I want it and I choose it then we need tools and we we need to practice every single day to stay 
aligned with our authentic self and our our full potential. So that's why I love meditation is it's like it trains the mind. Yeah. So I'd like to get down to the practicality of how you use this tool, right? Yeah. So do you have to sit cross-legged on a really hard floor and and stay as still as you can or have rules of meditation changed? Like, what does it look like to meditate? So this is my approach to it. We are physical, mental, emotional, soul, spiritual beings. And I would say that the most common misconception about meditation is what you just described. We have to sit with our legs crossed, with our eyes closed, and we have to have this single pointedness and that it's just going to happen like that. And if it doesn't, then what am I doing or I'm doing it wrong. So my way of approaching meditation is approaching ourselves as who we really are, which is we are multidimensional. When we have physical pain or discomfort or physical challenges, it's always going to override everything. So my massive background is in yoga. And what I understand about yoga asana, which are the yoga poses, is that they were designed to help us to clear physical tension, physical discomfort, so that then it's easier to meditate. Because if you sit down and you're like, oh, my back's hurting, or oh, I've got a kink in my my neck, you better believe that's going to take over. And you're not going to be able to sit and connect with the great mystery of all of existence in your <laughs> self. It's going to be like, nope, this hurts. I'm not going to do this. So the very first thing that I do in any meditation class is we do physical movement. We do some gentle stretching. We might walk around. We might be doing some Tai Chi or some Qigong. It might be a run, right? It could be a walk, but it it could be dancing. But it's do something physical so that you are addressing the physical vehicle first. Then we go into the next level, which is the mental level, which is we've got 10,000 thoughts going on all the time. And the Buddhists call it the monkey mind. We're constantly swinging around from, oh, this and ooh, this and ooh, this. And there's all these thoughts. And those thoughts will definitely override your capacity to be able to meditate. So the next thing that I do is some mental management, which is might just be like, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about this. And if you want to go to an even deeper level, there is different parts of the mind. We have our, I call it the the tribal or the familial part of our brain or our mind that is wired for belonging and wired for love. And that is a very primal part of our, our brain. And so if the, if the mind is thinking thoughts about like, well, am I still going to be accepted? Am I still going to be loved? Am I still going to belong if I start meditating, but nobody in my family does or my friends don't, then that's going to capture your attention. 
and it can prevent you from being able to meditate. So addressing that part of the brain and the mind. And then there's the deepest level, which is the primal brain, which is wired for survival, which is like, what am I doing here sitting? I need to eat. I need shelter. I need money. I need clothing. I need water. I need air. And that part of our brain oftentimes will buck if when we sit down, because it's like, you're wasting your time. What are you doing? You should be out there like making something happen so you can survive. So addressing all of those different levels is part of mental management. Then we go to emotional management, which is we have all these emotions, we have all these feelings. And if those waves are rocking and rolling, and you're trying to sit and meditate, then that again is going to bring in a lot of disturbance in the force. So using emotional management, and that could be, I'm feeling this today. I'm feeling this today. I'm feeling this today. It could just be simple acknowledgement of the feelings that you're having, the emotions that you're having. And then it might also be some deeper levels of, I work a lot with something called the emotional freedom technique or tapping, where we're tapping on different acupressure, acupuncture points, which helps to jostle up stagnant emotional energy. And it might be, I feel really pissed off today. I feel really frustrated today. I feel really sad today. I feel really just, I don't feel good today. And even though I feel all of these things, I love support and accept myself. I appreciate myself just the way I am. It's okay to feel angry. And sometimes I don't feel angry. It's okay to feel sad. And sometimes I don't feel sad. And no matter what I feel, it's all welcome here. I'm free to feel all of my emotions. And you can feel, I mean, just from doing that, I'm like, wow, I already felt good. I feel even better. <laughs> and for, so for those of you that, guys, hold on one second, Anne. Yeah. Um, just for, for you listening, she was tapping on her temple. She was tapping right under her eye, under her nose, on her chin, on her chest with both hands. So yeah, I totally, you doing that reminds me of, we did that in class and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, the, again, that's called EFT and, and helpful for sure. Yeah. And what it does is the way that I... I see it as it's kind of like you have a shovel going into your emotional body and you're like, let's take some of this stagnant bleh out of there <laughs> so that the life force energy can start to, to move and, and flow. And I find that, and if I do those practices first, then I'm able to sit and I'm actually then able to start practicing some meditation tools. So then I teach a bunch of different meditation tools, breathing, conscious breathing, slow, deep, steady breathing is one of the most supreme meditation tools because the breath is the master of the mind. We can go, most people can go about three weeks without food about three days without water, but after three minutes without oxygen, our whole entire operating system will shut down. So it's it's like the ruler of the mind. And so when you take slow, deep, steady breaths, and it could be 
You know, I always suggest to make them audible. It could be a very simple breathing rhythm where you breathe in for a count of four, hold for a count of one, breathe out for a count of four and hold out for a count of one. And if you start to focus your mind on the rhythm of your breathing, it's always going to override the mind's monkey, you know, swinging around from branch to branch because it is in charge. The breath is is in charge of the mind because the mind can't be without the breath. And that helps to clear a lot of stress, tension, heavy energy. When I guide people through breath work in preparation for meditation, I'll say, breathe in, fresh, new, energy, hold. Exhale, stress, tension, heavy, energy, hold. And I will guide people through like that so that they're starting to hear these affirmations of, oh, yeah, when I breathe in, I'm breathing in oxygen. I'm breathing in everything that I need. When I'm breathing out, I'm breathing out everything that I do not need. And that is another amazing way to get into a meditative state of being. It's almost like a guided meditation through the breath. And then another amazing tool that I'll use is mantra. So mantra is when you repeat internally a word or a sound that, again, helps to harness the mind so that you're simply in the present moment. That's really what meditation is to me, is just be here now. I'm going to be here now, even if I feel like crap today. I'm going to be here now, even if I feel a little discomfort in my body. I'm going to be here now, even if I'm thinking about my to-do list for the day. And it's just simply being present with yourself and being present with life as it is. So when you use a mantra, it could be release, release, release. Just over and over for a minute or whatever. And you're just focusing your mind on that intention of release. And what that does is it it goes do-do-do-do-do-do and it scans through your body, your mind, your heart, and it helps you to release anything that's not harmonious. And then if you choose to, you can then just go into silent sitting but you could also go around and visit all those different techniques and again all it is is I'm here being present with myself I love that so and so I mean so that okay and and I'm just uh, being honest here. <laughs> so yeah. like, I, I, obviously, you've practiced this maybe since the womb. Who knows? You know, it sounds yeah. like it. It's possible. Um, yeah. And I mean, I love like all the layers that you talked about, um, like to get into a space where you feel like you're kind of ready to meditate. Um, yeah. And I can also say like, oh my gosh, I'm never, especially a beginner, that's going to be yeah. a lot of work. You know, if I was in a class with you, that's one thing. Um, yeah. So I'm curious what you think about like apps. You know, um, I know that yeah. Adrian used Calm. Yep. I used Insight Timer, you know, and yep. again, let's talk a little bit about length of time that, sure. um, cause I think sometimes we equate duration with value and, yes. and is that, is that right or not? 
that's not right. Okay. <laughs> you are so, wrong, Tim. <laughs> I love you and that is not correct. Um, but that is what prevents us from doing a lot of these amazing practices that can be so incredibly beneficial to us. So I'm a multidimensional coach. I have a lot of different tools that I use. And one of them is high performance coaching. And what has been shown through studies, and I really love studying things. I'm, it's not all woo-woo. I'm like, when the rubber meets the road, what really works? What studies have shown is that if you do, and we're just going to talk about meditation since we're talking about meditation. If you meditate for one minute a day, that's far more powerful than if you just meditated for seven minutes on one day. So the consistency kind of trumps the duration. Right. Yes, right. exactly. Okay. So when I coach people, when I teach people as a health and wellness teacher, I am super practical because I'm working with people that have a lot going on. And that just like you just said, it's like, I might not even have five minutes, right? I might have one minute and I call it our health and wellness escrow, right? So when you have an <laughs> escrow, it's like you're, you're putting things in there. And so it's like, okay, how much can you put into your meditation, health and wellness escrow today? And it might be, okay, I have one minute. So then it might be, I'm going to do the mini version, okay, of everything that I just said. I'm okay. going to set a timer right now to show you. I'm not fooling around here. I want to show how accessible <laughs> this is. One minute, okay? Okay, here we go. Breathe in and breathe out. That was the physical thing, okay? Now, today I'm feeling like I'm peaceful. That was me checking in with my mind. Or that was me, yeah, well, that was me checking in with my emotions. My mind. Today I'm thinking about how happy I am that I got to do this interview, even though I had no Wi-Fi or electricity until, and we had to start late. And I'm going to take a deep breath in. I'm going to take a deep, a slow breath out. Now I'm going to give gratitude for the fact that there was a gorgeous rainbow this morning. And now I'm going to say release. Now I'm just going to be silent. And that was one minute. And I feel fantastic about myself. <laughs> like I feel very accomplished. I feel like I just added a lot of value to my day. I feel enough. I feel like that was enough. If I just did that one minute and I just gave myself all of those things, like I literally just did every single thing that I talked about and that was one minute. And yeah. that might be the place to start. And yeah. if you can do one minute a day, then you are being a huge part of the solution on the planet. Because the more of us that can focus on some physical, mental, emotional self-love, self-care on the planet, the more harmony we're going to have on, on the planet, the more that we can release stress, tension, heavy energy. And then 
you take that one minute. I mean, I do this every single day, but just one minute, I just felt a shift from that. I feel so good about myself. And now I'm going to carry that forward into everything that I do in my life. Here's the other thing that I always teach is that there are days when you're like, I don't want to do that. I just (laughs) don't. And I call myself a wild pony. And I'm like, I don't want to be put in the corral. I don't want to have to do some practice. And so that doesn't mean that you can't meditate. It might be that your meditation is folding laundry that day. Your meditation might be washing dishes that day. And it just means you're bringing full presence to whatever you're you're doing. And you're bringing all of your awareness to exactly what you're doing. So you're not, um, you, you aren't multitasking. You're just being present with that, that one thing. And it could even be for one minute, I'm just going to focus on folding this pair of pants. I'm just going to focus on hanging up this shirt, whatever it is, but I'm going to do it with full, full presence. And that's meditation too. And there's also walking meditation. And I am, I've, I've run, I've been a runner a lot in my life. I ran a half marathon. I don't even know if I'll ever do a half marathon again, but running is a meditation. And so for me, what I would do when I was, when I would run is I would synchronize my breathing with my steps. So it might be, so breathe in for a count of four, exhale for a count of four. And I would just bring all of my focus to it. It could be, I was dancing on the beach the other day with, you know, where everyone wears headsets and there's a DJ and everyone's walking by being, why are these freaks like dancing on the beach well that was us but we were having a great time that was a meditation so you can make anything into a meditation and that's the way that I I teach it is like radical accessibility for everyone no matter what you're you're doing right so what do you think about turning meditation into trying to do a streak of meditation it kind of feels like you know it goes it flies in the face of what meditation should be but it also you know like if you use the apps like the calm app it tells you how many days you've meditated or the right and you talked about consistency yeah um and consistency requires a little bit of planning right so what do you think about the idea of trying to do a meditation streak Yeah, I love it. I think it's (laughs) fantastic. And I that's how I really got into it. My part of my backstory is even though I feel like on a soul level, a lot of this information was already within me. I also had times in my life where I was a yoga teacher, but I wasn't practicing yoga consistently. I was a meditation teacher, but I wasn't practicing meditation consistently or a breathwork teacher, but I wasn't practicing breathwork consistently. And it showed, it showed in the results that I was getting in my life. It showed in me feeling like I was kind of a poser because I was teaching this stuff, but I wasn't practicing it. I wasn't embodying it. And that's very much the reason that I started my whole coaching and wellness practice is 
Don't teach something unless you're going to practice it. Don't be a leader in something if you're not going to lead by example. We have a lot of that on the planet and we don't need any more. And those of us who choose to can can choose to actually embody the things that that we are here to share. So what I did is I had a pretty big wake up call and I realized that I wasn't, my conscience was no longer going to be clear if I didn't start practicing these things. So what I did, and this is high performance coaching again, is I made a master to-do list of everything that I was teaching. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to teach anything unless I practice it anymore. I, that was the deal that I made with myself. And I looked at each and every one of those things and I took out this baby (laughs) and I'm holding up my phone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I started time blocking all of it. And I still do. I'm going to reach over right now. This is what I do every day. This is my Such a good show and tell. Uh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I feel like we need so, to really all sorts of good stuff. She's showing a list, <laughs> a really yeah. lovely list. Yeah, my my daily plan, and I literally write it down every day. Sadhana, that is my spiritual breath work and emotional management and mental management and and my meditation. I write down. Every single thing, work out, make the bed, smudge with sage. I mean, I literally write all of this stuff down. And that is what I did. And with my meditation practice is I time blocked it. And I I said, this is so incredibly important to me that I'm not going to schedule anything else during that time. And if something, you know, if I was thrown a curveball, I would just move it to another part of the day. So I'm not like I have to be sitting down to meditate every day at 6am. I'm not that kind of person. I'm just I and I in general do it at the same time. But if life happens, and I have to shift it, that's fine. And so it was doing it over and over and over again, for a streak, some people call it a a challenge, but I like a streak better. (laughs) That I began to feel the snowball of positivity from doing it. And then I wanted to do it. Now it's like, I want to do it because of how awesome I feel, because of how much tension and stress I clear. I feel like meditation is one of the ways that we take the trash out. And just like in our homes, wherever we are, if we didn't take the trash out, our whole entire house would be, I mean, can you imagine how much trash would be in in your house? So it's the same thing with our physical, mental, emotional, soul energy is if we don't take time every day to clear out the stress and the tension and the heavy energy, then it's going to build and build and build. And then that's going to impact your running. It's going to impact your leadership. It's going to impact your relationships. It's going to impact your physical, mental, emotional, soul, spiritual health. So meditation is just its kind of like, you know, just like you wash the dishes in the morning or you brush your teeth or you take a shower. It's that for your mind. And so it's non-negotiable for me anymore. It's It's not like, 
Yeah, this yeah. is a non-negotiable practice. And I always say, I would be in a straitjacket if I did not do these practices. Seriously. No, I mean, I, I do not know how people do it without these practices. And we're not taught them, right? No, so I had, I started the whole yoga in the schools program in Santa Barbara. And then I trained hundreds and hundreds of people all over the planet how to teach yoga to kids because I feel that we need these body, mind, heart, soul, spiritual practices to help us to release the inevitable stress and tension and to balance and harmonize ourselves and to generate and to create life force energy so that we can live the best life we possibly can. And when it's not built into our our culture, we need to create our own inner culture and then do our best to support others in doing the same. Nice. Well, I tried to support Adrian during our 30 day streak. <laughs> I did my best. I sent you good yeah. energy. So we, we attempted, like we said, um, to meditate for 30 days straight um, from mid-July to mid-August. We aimed roughly for 10 minutes a day. Adrian, how, how did it go overall? Did you, did you build up some health and wellness escrow? um i i would say that i built up some better than nothing you know i was like 70 percent when it came to the streak Uh the i had a lot of as ann put it wild pony days where i was just like i just don't want to like it's not that i feel any real harm will come to me i just do not want to do this right now i don't want to do it right now and i don't want to do it in 10 minutes i do not want to do it today. Um, And I found that really interesting because, you know, at its base, I'm sitting here doing nothing. Like, why am I resisting sitting here? Um, And it's not that I was afraid of my own thoughts or anything like that. It was just like, I just don't want to, don't want to. And every now and again, I could go ahead and do it anyway. But on the days when I said I don't want to, I did not. (laughs) Um, May I ask you a question about that? Sure. If it was one minute instead of 10 minutes, you're like, all I have to do is do this for one minute. Do you think you would have had the same amount of resistance? Um, I I think I would have been more likely to do one minute. And about two weeks in, I decided maybe three weeks in that on days when I did not want to like four minutes, I would set a timer for four minutes. And I'm like, four yeah. minutes is fine. Um yeah. So I would do that because 10 minutes just seemed like forever. Well, I think we picked 10 10 minutes. minutes. We picked 10 minutes because that's what we did for foam rolling. But you've got to do, you know, you've got a lot of muscles to hit, even though I know, I know we've got a lot of layers to hit, Anne, but but you demonstrated (laughs) we can do it in a minute. So yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, in hindsight, one minute would be perfect. But four minutes is fine. I can do four minutes. (laughs) But the, that was the biggest, the biggest challenge. How was it for you, Dimity? You know, it was good. It, like Ian kind of said, it's one, I don't have a practice by any means. I, but I have, you know, ever since I got over the intimidation of eat, pray, love, like that definitely got me off on the wrong path. Like thinking that I needed to be like in an ashram sitting for at least four hours a day, <laughs> you know, and being able to write about it as well as Elizabeth Gilbert can, you know, I got past that. <laughs> Um, and, um, I like the, I really like the practice of it. I like the intentionality. I like sitting still. 
I like, I sit in a very comfortable chair. I do not, you know, do the whole wrap your, you know, I don't sit cross-legged or on the floor even. Um, and uh, I really like the just sitting still, you know, that was probably the best thing. I mean, you know, my mind, I mean, Anne described it perfectly, you know, like, yes, my back hurts or my knee hurts. And then my head is going here and there and I've got to do this. And then the dog barks and then this happens. And I'm just like, what am I doing? But I never regretted doing it. You know, it's kind Mm -hmm. of like a workout, you know, where you're just like, okay, maybe this isn't exactly (laughs) like the flow that I was looking for. But I sat here, I thought about my breath. I tried to go inward and that's going to be enough for today. And it does, it's, it's a thing that you kind of, you don't know that you miss it until it's gone. That's kind of what I feel like, you know, because as soon as I got off my, I'm really good at sitting in my comfortable chair in the corner of my office with my nice quiet house, but take me on the road, take me even to my back porch. And I have a harder time doing that. Right. Mm, Yeah. Is that pretty normal, Anne? Yes. And that's, where and I like I said because I'm super nomadic I have had to create those practices for myself no matter where I am no matter what situation I'm in and actually for me it brings consistency to my life and I think that that especially during the pandemic was one of the things one of the reasons that meditation came forward in a bigger way was to bring some kind of consistency on the planet in our lives when there was so much that was unknown and so much that was uncertain. And as I was saying during those times, it's like everything is always unknown and everything is always (laughs) uncertain. It just really brought it into all of our, our faces, but we need that we need consistency we need things where we feel like no matter what happens I've got this and when I work with one-on-one clients the first thing that I do is I help my one-on-one clients uh, do what I call authentic alignment which is getting clear about your purpose your values your message and your big vision And then the next thing that I do with them is called vibration transformation, which is their daily self-love and self-care, nutrition, movement, breath work, meditation, mental, emotional management, physical cleansing, prayer and affirmation and rest, relaxation and sleeping. And then I work with them on conscious creation, consciously creating their goals, consciously creating the life they vision for themselves. But the reason that I start off with purpose, values, message, and vision, and then with the self-love and self-care health and wellness practices, is I consider that to be the roots and the trunk of the tree. And no matter what happens in life, it's like sometimes we feel like, woo, things are just exploding and everything is in such a flow state and all of my branches are expanding and I'm I'm blooming blossoms and little leaves are coming out and there's fruit and everything's awesome. But then there's times where you just feel like things are taking a digger. You're like, wait, the, the, the limbs are bare. What happened to all that blossoming and that flourishing or one of the branches kind of goes, then it kind of, you know, gets shaky or wobbly and if you don't have those daily health and wellness practices and you don't have a connection to I know who I am I know why I'm here I know what matters most to me 
then when those things start to fluctuate out in the world, the people, places, and things, you can really feel like things are going haywire. So if you have these practices, they will support you when things are going off and they're flourishing and they will support you when it feels like the wells kind of run and dry. You'll feel this deeper, deeper sense of, I can create some consistency. I have these practices that are here for for me and are going to help me stay connected to myself. And then it helps you to actually navigate the constant fluctuations and the constant changes in life and a lot more, I would say, graceful and peaceful way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's worth it to put in those tiny practices, even if it's like one minute. Yeah. Let me share one quick story. So I was flying back from Chicago. It was like late on a Saturday night, which I'm thinking, you know, the airplane's going to be empty. Wrong. It's just, you know, packed the gills. Like, boy next to me has two screens going. One of them doesn't have, you know, headphones attached. I'm like, how do you even have two? Next to him is a woman (laughs) who's like um, rattling her Doritos bag. There's nothing that bugs me more than like the, the, you know, the, like a chip bag being, and then the the munching of chips. Like those two, that's like a one, two punch for me. I I was just having, and I'm in the back of the plane, you know, my knees are in my nose because I'm in a, you know, like whatever it's, it's, you know, not that bad, but it's, it just feels very dire at the time. And I was like, okay, Dimity, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to become something on the nightly news here where people are like video (laughs) thinking me losing my stuff. So I literally like, was like, okay, where's your breath? Where's your breath? And I was really um, proud of myself that I remember to do that and not just like try to like white knuckle it through and like get more and more annoyed. But I like close my eyes. I'm like, all I'm going to do right now is breathe. All I'm going to do right now is breathe. And I, and I wouldn't have thought of that had we not, you know, been in the middle of this little streak we were doing. So, and I like that. I, you know, I like that that was like accessible enough on the surface so that like, it does feel like it could become a a real tool that I could use, you know, moving forward. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're talking about hurdles. And one of the big hurdles that I found was right in the middle of the street, my husband and I went to Iceland um, for like wow. a long anticipated, it was supposed to be a 50th birthday for both of us, 25th wedding anniversary trip. And then there was a pandemic. So like it just kept getting pushed back. And so we're on this trip, which means we're together pretty much 24-7, which is great. Like, that was the point of the trip. We had a great time together. But the idea of sitting for 10 minutes with somebody who is literally, I can touch them if I just stretch my <laughs> arm out, um, was a little weird. <laughs> so I had to lay down some ground rules. I was like, so I'm going to sit here and meditate for 10 minutes. The rule is you cannot touch me or talk to me. I need you to pretend I am not in this room um, because that will scare the bejesus out of me and I will never be able to find this state again. Um and it, it worked. Like it was really weird to be sitting like literally across from somebody you know, in my own headspace. But I mean, we've been married a very long time. So um, it was great. Uh, and he sat and played Angry Birds, I believe. <laughs> this was going on. Yeah. That was uh, his meditation. That, was, that is his meditation. It really yeah. is. Um, 
so like it was a hurdle but it was and it wasn't you know it, it was one of those i still and he would help me remember that i had committed to doing this thing not in an annoying way but uh and I also think he wanted 10 minutes to sit and play Angry Birds without any interruption <laughs> on my end. So, Angry Birds and meditation. You I know, love the juxtaposition. Whatever works in your that's life, it. you know? That's well, it. Yeah. Well, and one thing, I mean, you've been awesome, Anne, and I, um, I mean, I could listen to you all day long, but one thing that I did want to bring up, and I think that is important, I kind of said at the beginning, like, you know, my friend, um, Melissa said, like, she'd mastered meditation, like, she finally got it. And then, in fact, it is something that you don't get. It's called a practice for a reason. Um, one of the teachers that I really like that is on Insight Timer, I'm sure she's a lot of other places too, is Sharon Salzberg. And, um, and the idea is, is every breath is a chance to begin again. She says that quite a bit. And I love that idea. And I really like the idea that it brings to meditation. Like, okay, I totally messed up that breath. My head was, you know, in Iceland with Adrian. And now I'm back <laughs> here, you know, and now I'm going to be sitting back in my chair and I'm going to try again. Um, I mean, is that at the end of the day, like, I don't want to say that's a point of meditation because you've said so many other things about it, but do you find yourself still being like, okay, I get to start this again. It's a new practice to me, even though you've been doing it for, for your life. Yes. And it's what I was saying to me, yoga is just, I mean, meditation is simply being present with yourself, present with life as it is. And that means it's own, it's every single moment. And we're beginning again, every single moment. And life is brand new every single moment. And so I, I love that. Every single time that we take a breath, it is a brand new life. It's a brand new opportunity. And one of the amazing benefits of yoga is that through, it's kind of like an infinity loop, which is when you practice meditation, you have more of that experience of meditation is every moment. Meditation is every breath. There's no place where we ever arrive. So we cultivate that, but then we bring that to the meditation practice as, as well as we cultivate it. So practicing meditation gives you a way of perceiving reality. And then you can bring that way of perceiving reality to your meditation practice so that if you arrive one day and you're like, Ooh, this wasn't how it was yesterday. I feel like I'm like a construction worker going today. (laughs) And yesterday it just felt like I was in a flow state and it's like, okay, this is where we are today. And I'm just going to be present with myself as I am. And that to me is meditation. And I feel that the more of us that can create this resiliency of being present with ourselves and with our lives as we are without making it mean we're bad or we're wrong or something's off or creating some kind of external drama, then, and we, we just build our capacity to be with ourselves and be with life as it is, it's one of the the master keys to to inner and outer peace. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite yoga instructors is uh, Jeff Warren, and he has a meditation where he 
kind of the the main theme of it is welcome to the party um <laughs> where it's you know you notice a new emotion or in, a new thought creeps in and you're like hey welcome to the party <laughs> and sometimes you know guests stay at the party and sometimes guests just wander through the party and you're all welcome come on in it's all good um yes and I, I actually find myself sometimes when you're just having one of those days, everything seems fraught somehow. It's like, okay, welcome to the party. Thank you by anxiety. Welcome to the party. Yeah. Uh, and and I found that to be really helpful. Yeah. There's a wonderful poem by Rumi called The Guest House. And it's all about that. Like we are here, when we meditate, we're cultivating the part of us that can be a gracious host to whatever is arising physically, mentally, emotionally, and being like, oh, hello, anxiety. Hello. I'm thinking about what I'm going to be doing later on today. Hello, discomfort in my body. And just creating more capacity to be with whatever is there and to be gracious with it. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. Well, and you are just a gem. I mean, honestly, we will link to your website in the show notes. It's annevandewater.com. Is that correct? Yep. A-N-N-E-V-A-N-D-E-W-A-T-E-R.com. All right. Dot com. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. Enjoy Hawaii. I'm glad you've got your electricity back. Um, I know. <laughs> and Adrian, thank you for sharing that. That was really fun to do. We'll have to think of what, what yeah. our next 30 days is. Maybe. I know. Uh, you know, give us suggestions. <laughs> How about one minute of conscious breathing for 30 <laughs> days where you breathe in for a count of four, hold in for a count of one, breathe out for a count of one and hold out for a count of one. All right. Just so wait, one minute a day. One minute. Yeah. Wait, wait, it's, it's four, one, 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 or is it four, one? Four, one, four, one. Four, one, four, one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just want to clarify that. Um, that, was pretty, <laughs> that one is game changer. It is a game changer. Yeah. Okay. And it's meditation too. Yeah. I like it. Two I for like one it. special. All right. All right. Well, we'll put it on the list. <laughs> In the meantime, thank you, Anne. Thank you, Adrian. And have a great day, you guys. Thank you. So amazing to be with you both. Hey, it's Sarah dropping in to let you know that our latest Love the Run program starts on September 12, and it includes a multi-level mileage challenge this round, as well as swag that are limited edition to FOSI sunglasses. Check it out at anothermotherrunner.com slash lovefall2022. And here's Heather singing the praises of Love the Run. This is Heather, and I'm calling from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I participated in three of the Love the Run series. The series started during COVID lockdown, and it gave me the much-needed connection to people and structure for my running that I needed. It was literally a lifeline through those early COVID months. From there, it blossomed into a community of mother runners that I came to know and love. This program taught me that running is more than just running. It's a complete package that feeds the mind, body, and soul. 